on a mission. It's a mission to turn our world upside down. That happens when people hear the good news of Jesus. So get ready for God to turn you upside down. In the past couple of episodes, I've used the illustration of older radios. How those radios would have a tuning dial. So let's say you're in a car and you're going on a long-distance trip. Along the way, while listening to your radio, you might pick up a very faint radio signal from another city. You might, for example, hear a human voice. But that radio signal is so faint that you can't understand the words. You know it's a human being. You know it's not music. But you can't make out the words. So on those older radios, you would have to tune the tuning dial very slowly until the signal came in loud and clear. When we talk about God revealing himself, he does that in two ways. The first way is like a faint radio signal. You can't hear actual words, but you get some general sense of things. The theologians call that God's general revelation. It's like a faint radio signal. By observing nature, for example, we can figure out some things about God, but only generally. That's why we need more special revelation, the second kind. With special revelation, it's like the radio signals come in loud and clear. Through special revelation, God gives us detailed information about himself. And he also tells us about ourselves as human beings. God's special revelation is our topic today. Now, some theologians will distinguish between various types of special revelation. I don't know if all these distinctions are so helpful, but at least it's good to know that there were various ways that God revealed himself to humans in ancient days. For example, God sometimes revealed himself through natural objects or natural phenomena. For example, through fire. Think of the fiery bush, the burning bush, which caught Moses' attention out in the wilderness. Sometimes God reveals aspects of himself through earthquakes. We read in Exodus chapter 19 that when the Israelites were camped at the foot of Mount Sinai, the earth under their feet shook. There was a violent earthquake. Another subcategory of special revelation is miracle, the miracles recorded in the Bible. In fact, in the Bible, miracles are often called signs, special signs from God, specific signs from the true God, not merely general signs from some kind of God. No, with with biblical miracles, the true God often was revealing something of himself, something specific about himself. The greatest of these miracles, in the Old Testament at least, was how God miraculously delivered his people from slavery in Egypt. Now, sometimes God would communicate something specific by giving people visions or dreams. For example, it was in a dream that God spoke to Joseph, the son of Jacob that Joseph someday would be ruler over his brothers. Another category of special revelation is God speaking through his angels. The Hebrew word for angel is messenger. That's what it means. A messenger from God sent to communicate something to human beings. So in the New Testament, for example, an angel from God gave a certain message to shepherds who were watching over their flocks. How that very night in Bethlehem, A special baby had been born, the baby Jesus, and where those shepherds could find him. 
In the book of Revelation, John records that he heard words spoken by angels in heaven. In the book of Hebrews, that New Testament book, we find it opens with these words, quote, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. Hebrews 1 verse 1. God spoke. That is, he communicated with words at various times, and he spoke, he communicated, in various ways. Now let's turn to the most important kind of special revelation. It's God speaking to us in and through the Bible. The Bible is the written word of God. You might know, of course, that the Bible is comprised of 66 smaller books. Collectively, they're called today the Bible. In biblical times, those written books, at least of the Old Testament, were often called scripture, or the plural, the scriptures. How is it that God spoke? He communicated in and through the Bible. Well, one of the words describing how this happened is the word inspiration. Inspiration. We say that the scriptures, the books of the Bible, were inspired, inspired by God himself. In the Old King James Version, the first part of 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, is rendered this way, quote, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Let me repeat that. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. So this teaching has become known as the inspiration of the Scriptures. Now, the New International Version and other modern versions render it a little more accurately according to the meaning of the original Greek. Quote, all scripture is God-breathed. The basic idea is that God breathed out his word. His word, like breath, came out of God's mouth. And as God breathed that word, certain people were designated to receive that word and to write that word down. So that the words in the Bible are actually God's words. They originated with him. In 2 Peter chapter 1, this teaching is made even more clear. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 20, quote, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Those verses give us more detail about this matter of the inspiration of the Scriptures. Now, you might hear a lecture in a university, or maybe you see a particular movie that gave you a a big impression. It left you very impacted. And afterwards, you might say, wasn't that an inspirational talk? Or about that movie, you might say, I was really inspired. By that we mean the speaker, or the film, moved us inwardly. We found found our mind enlightened or our spirits lifted up. We were inspired in that way. Well, when we refer to biblical writers being inspired by God, we mean something much more than that. When God inspired those human writers, we mean that God himself, by his Holy Spirit, actually put his words within them. So that as these writers applied pen to paper, or quill to papyrus, what came out from them were God's own words. 
the verse from 2 Peter chapter 1 says that these writers, these prophets, were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That verb in the Greek, translated carried along, is used in the book of Acts to refer to a strong wind that carried along a ship. That wind was so forceful, so strong, that the ship couldn't be controlled by the sailors. Rather, that ship was just carried along, swept along by the wind. So it was when God inspired the writers of the various books of the Bible. The force of God's Holy Spirit came upon them so powerfully that they wrote only what God was directing them to write. Those writers were literally carried along by the Holy Spirit in what they wrote down. And, says the verse, their words then didn't come out of their own will or of their own human desire. Rather, their words came from God, specifically from God's Holy Spirit. Historic Christianity has said that this inspiration of the Scriptures applies to each and every word originally put down in writing as part of the Scriptures. That in the original manuscripts of the Bible, that is, in the original Hebrew for the Old Testament and the original Greek for the New Testament, God powerfully came upon writers so that they wrote down God's words. And God powerfully protected those words so that as papyrus decayed over time and and these manuscripts had to be copied and rewritten, that God protected these words as they were copied throughout the generations. The teaching of the inspiration of the scriptures refers to the very words themselves. You know, some later thinkers, calling themselves Christians or professors in seminaries, imagine that God only put the general idea into the heads of the human writers. For example, that Matthew, the writer of the first gospel, that God inspired him with the general ideas about Jesus' birth and life. And then Matthew was free to add in some of his own thoughts and words. No, that's not how it happened. God actually gave to Matthew and to each writer of the biblical books his exact words. Each word they wrote down was inspired. Now, good theologians will quickly make this point, that as God was inspiring these writers, he also made use of their own unique backgrounds. He used their education and personal experiences. The writers weren't just sitting there, and you can imagine this, with pen in hand or quill in hand, simply waiting on God to move their hands, that they were just simply some kind of writing machine. No, that's not how it happened. As God inspired Matthew, Matthew was writing as a Jew, and Matthew knew that he was writing particularly to Jewish readers. So the style of the Gospel of Matthew is different, say, from the style of Luke. Luke covers the same topics as Matthew, at least generally, But Luke probably was a Gentile, a non-Jew. He also went out and accompanied Paul, the missionary, on several of, of Paul's missionary travels. We also know that Luke was a medical doctor. So at times, these different aspects of Luke's experience and background can be seen in his particular writing style, say, compared to Matthew's style. However, as much as this was their own style, Ultimately, they were still writing down the precise words that God wanted them to write down. So the words of the Bible are both and, both the words of God and the words of humans who were inspired to write. But ultimately, the teaching of the inspiration of the scriptures ensures that there are no errors or no mere human thinking 
contained within the Bible. It is from beginning to end, God's Word. Often this helpful analogy is used. Think of Jesus himself. Jesus had, has two natures, doesn't he? He has a divine nature and a human nature. He's one person, but he has these two different natures. So it is with the scriptures, the Bible. The words of the Bible have a God aspect. God inspired the writers. He put his words in their mouths and in their pens or quills. Yet at the same time, the books of the Bible have a human aspect. The writer's past experience and personality come through. It's both and, both God's word and at the same time, human writing. Now, maybe a lot of this seems a bit unnecessary. Maybe you're thinking as you're listening, what difference does any of this theology and these definitions of inspiration make to my life anyway? Well, in recent episodes, we talked about how God is a personal God, that he's not an it. Rather, the God of the Bible is a personal being with very personal characteristics. And so God, as a personal being, desires personal relationships, even personal relationship with us as humans. We could even say, as the Bible verses often say, that God desires for us to be his friends. And let me ask, how does ordinary friendship start? And how do ordinary friendships deepen? Isn't it mostly by conversation? with friends speaking to their friends, sharing even more and more personal details as time goes on, sharing those experiences and and past life in your family of origin in conversational times together. So it is that God is speaking to us so that we would become his friends. And that as we more and more listen to God speaking, we'll not only learn more about him, but also our friendship with him deepens and grows. One well-known theologian, J.I. Packer, words it this way, and I quote, God wanted there to be genuine personal affection and friendship, two-sided, between himself and us, a relation not like that between a man and his dog, but like that of a father to his son. And this is God's purpose in Revelation. Revelation. We're talking now about special revelation. God speaks to us simply to fulfill his purpose for which we were made, and that is to bring us into a relationship in which he is a friend to us and we to him, he finding joy in giving us gifts and we finding ours in giving him thanks. That's so beautiful, but it is easily overlooked or minimized or sometimes even forgotten that God, God himself, deeply desires for us to come into a personal friendship with him. There are all kinds of big words to describe our relationship with God. It, for example, is a covenantal relationship. It's a redemptive relationship. It's a sanctifying relationship. But never forget that our relationship with God at its base, at its foundation, is a personal friendship. God had a friendship with the first man and the first woman, Adam and Eve. We read in Genesis that they walked and talked with God in that garden before they fell to sin. Think of it. They were talking with God. They were conversing with him as their creator father. A relationship of friendship was established with the very first human beings. 
And Jesus comes as the second Adam, and Jesus comes to fully reveal God to us. And Jesus chose those 12 closest disciples, and he would often refer to them as what? He often referred to them as his friends, his closest friends. You see, Jesus, God's very Son, came to reveal the deepest purpose of God for us as humans, that we would become his friends. Jesus would even talk to his disciples about how much he loved them, and he says at some points that the deepest kind of friendship is when someone actually lays down their life for their friends. Jesus did that for them. So please, never look at the doctrine of divine inspiration of the Bible or look at the Bible itself as kind of a a cold book or a, a cold doctrine, this doctrine of inspiration, as merely another thing you have to learn as a data point for your brain. No, the biblical teaching of inspiration, at heart, is about God wanting to speak to us. And we, being assured that when we're reading the Bible, we're not reading human opinions, what good would that do us? But we're actually reading the actual words of God to us, that we would become God's friends. God wanted to speak to us. He communicated his own words to us, that through Jesus then, we could become his friends. That key verse I quoted earlier, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it starts by saying that Scripture is God-breathed. But then that verse goes on to say this, that these Scriptures inspired by God are, quote, useful for us. They are useful for us. Very practical. In what ways? The verse goes on to say, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Now, Paul was writing to the young man, Timothy. He's a pastor. Those words apply to Timothy first of all. But those words also apply to us, don't they? We are these servants of God, that we might be equipped for every good work. We then must hear God speaking to us. Why? So that then, as we are God's friends through Jesus, we are sometimes taught further by him, sometimes we're rebuked by him, sometimes we're corrected by by him. God is our divine friend. Jesus is our sacrificed friend. They want us to be their friend, to be friends of God, to be friends of Jesus. And that in any good friendship then, we would hear Jesus speaking to us in his word. Jesus converses with us so that our friendship with him will grow and deepen. And as we're listening to God's word, as we're reading and listening, we are sometimes taught new things. New things about God, new things about Jesus, or sometimes new things about ourselves as followers of Jesus. Other times as we're reading God's word, Listening to his speech, we we need to be rebuked or corrected by him. I'm thinking of a friend who recently had to correct me. It was in the middle of a conversation. We were talking on the phone. I had fallen into despair over a certain situation. He could tell that I was becoming very discouraged. But my Christian friend cared enough to gently correct me. Oh, some of his words at the moment maybe weren't so gentle. (laughs) But because he was my close friend... I knew that he loved me, and he wanted something better for me, so he dared, in love, to correct me. 
and by God's grace, I was able to listen. His words helped lift me out of despair. So it is that our divine friend, God himself, speaks to us in his word, in the exact words that he directly inspired. And knowing that he loves us better than any human could, he not only teaches us, but he sometimes has to correct us. He sometimes gently rebukes our wrong thinking or feeling or even our wrong behaviors. And as our friend, he helps shows us a better way. If you haven't already, why not start listening to God speaking to you as his friend? Why not have a conversation with Jesus, listening to what he's saying to you in the Bible, listening to what he's saying about your situation in the moment? Read God's word, the Bible and you'll hear Jesus speaking to you. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Randall. This podcast is produced by my brothers in Christ, Dennis and Moses. Won't you tell your friends about us? We're Mission Upside Down.